Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 18. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. We've been on a journey with the Israelites over the past several weeks as we continue this study in Exodus. Israel had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They had lived under forced labor, great oppression, ruthless slave owners, and terrible conditions. The Israelites had been doing demeaning work while being verbally and physically abused by uncaring overseers. They would be given enough food to stay alive in order to do more work. Work, eat, sleep, repeat every day, no relief, no escape, no hope. Over time, their slavery became their identity. They were slaves and nothing more. But God had heard the cry of his people who were suffering, and, and God was moved to action. God called Moses to go to Pharaoh and ask that Pharaoh let the people of Israel go free. Through God's miraculous signs and wonders, 10 great plagues against Egypt, Pharaoh eventually agreed and sent Israel away. Israel had now celebrated its first Passover. They crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and witnessed Pharaoh's army destroyed by the same sea. They had praised the Lord, creator and deliverer for everything he had done for them. Now they continued their journey toward the promised land. Between the former place, Egyptian bondage, and their future place, the promised land, there was a great desert, a wilderness. By definition, a wilderness is a desolate place, a lonely place, a disorienting place, a wild place, a threatening place. Israel had been away from Egypt for only a month and a half as we start our passage today in Exodus chapter 16. They had entered the wilderness. What lessons can be learned from living in the wilderness? Most of us have experienced life in such a place at some point in our lives. Maybe some of you are going through a wilderness right now. How do we make sense of a wilderness time, a wilderness place, or even a wilderness season in our lives? To explore such questions, let's continue our journey with Israel in Exodus chapters 16, verses 1 through 18. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. 
but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it is the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it is the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who had much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered as much as they needed. The Israelite community found themselves on the move once again. They were traveling from Elim to the desert of Sin. The harsh reality of the desert made conditions unbearable. What would they eat? What would sustain them in the desert? Once they had grown uh, under the harsh rule of Pharaoh, now Israel began to grumble against their own leaders, Moses and Aaron. The Israelites saw Moses as the originator of all their problems. It's interesting that Israel had forgotten who had brought them out of Egypt. It wasn't by Moses' hand that they had been set free. The mighty hand of the Lord had set them free through wonders and signs that only God could do. Moses had been a mere spokesperson for the Lord. Rather than being freed by the Lord's hand from Pharaoh, in the moment they in that moment, they wished that they had died by the Lord's hand while they were in Egypt, according to Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. They found the security of slavery more appealing than the insecurity of freedom. 
I remember befriending a man I would call David. David was living a life of addiction to alcohol and drugs. He was groaning in his addiction and crying out for change. God grew our friendship. And one day I shared the gospel with David. He repented of his sins and he put his trust in Jesus. The addictions of his past would fight to keep hold of him over the weeks and months that followed. David decided one day that he would like to go into an extended rehab to surround himself with godly and caring people. For three days, we prepared for his entrance into the rehab. There was paperwork, planned planning for the care of his young daughter, uh, communication with his employer, the paying of bills, and insurance approvals. All was completed by Wednesday night. Thursday morning, he was to enter the rehab center. Sadly, Wednesday night, David entered back into his addiction, and he was not accepted into the program. When I was able to finally speak to him again, he said, I shot myself in the foot. I couldn't let myself out of what was so natural for me. Like Israel, my friend David was more comfortable with what he knew, even if it was bondage. While Israel and David are extreme cases, how often do we struggle to let go of past habits, residue from the old life, a bad way of thinking or feeling and desires that are not of God? Israel had learned to complain in Egypt. Complaining had become a part of their very lives. While they no longer were in Egypt, they needed their minds renewed for them to be truly set free. They needed to learn to trust God, their deliverer, in a way they had never learned before. Maybe it's too obvious to say, but physical needs like hunger are powerful forces. Such a need pushed Israel to the edge of themselves. Their immediate hunger distorted the memory of the past. Notice in verse 3 that the Israelites said, We sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. They hadn't sat around anywhere when they were slaves. They were worked ruthlessly, we're told in the scripture, with no time to do anything but work, eat, and sleep. Slaves didn't enjoy pots of meat and all the food they wanted. They had just enough to survive and work another day. Their immediate need for food clouded their ability to even remember the power of God to deliver them or provide for them. Often a crisis for physical needs, for food or employment, can become a crisis of faith in our lives. In those moments, many forget about God and his work in the past. Others, through testing and training, learn to trust God by faith in the midst of their needs. Lord Jesus, dis disciple us, teach us, train our hearts to trust you in our need and in the wilderness we encounter. Rather than getting angry with the Israelites' complaints, God heard their grumbling and was ready to pro provide provision and instruction for them. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, God spoke to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. God would provide bread from heaven. God's instruction was that they should get just what they needed each day. Implied was a reminder, don't take more than you need for the day. 
on Friday, the sixth day. However, take enough for Friday and the Sabbath, Saturday. Take twice as much as you need on Friday so that you won't need to go out and gather on the Sabbath. These instructions come according to the words of the Lord as a test in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Would the people of Israel obey the Lord's instructions? God wanted his people to learn more about themselves and how to put their trust in God. Picking up enough bread for one day suggests that they would have to, have to wait for the next day to get more and thus trust God to provide it. The people also needed to trust the Lord's instruction about the sixth day, or they would go hungry on the seventh day. When Jesus' disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus prayed what we have called the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus prayed, give us today our daily bread. Daily bread. Learning to trust God with daily needs becomes a place of spiritual formation for Israel and for us. This is a lesson that is lost for those with excess income and money in our day today. When we collect extra for a rainy day, we don't seem to feel the need to trust God daily. In such situations, we can become soft in our faith. Affluent countries like America need to guard against such spiritual weakness. I like what one person said when he prayed the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread and no more. As a teenager, my dad went from being an employee of a large organization uh, with a guaranteed salary to working as a realtor with his income solely based on sales. I remember my dad sharing what a learning experience this was for his faith. It was stretching him in new ways to trust God. The obedience that Israel was called to through God's instruction on collecting the bread required choices. In Egypt, they had no opportunity to make choices. As free people, they would need to learn to make choices and live with the consequences of the choices they made. The covenantal relationship that God desires with his people has its base in a real relationship. It's not do, 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 and don't, don't, don't. Rather, the relationship is based on daily decisions to trust, follow, and love the God who delivers and provides. Moses later reflected on this moment of faith for Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The instructions that Moses and Aaron gave the people were actually an expansion of what God had told them in verse 4. The Lord mentioned only bread from heaven, but the people were told that there would be two distinct provisions— one in the evening and one in the morning. In the evening, quail would come. There doesn't seem to be any evidence that this provision surprised the Israelites. 
Maybe they had seen some quail in, in Egypt or even in the desert. They didn't need to ask what it was or what to do with it. Moses said that the quail in the evening will let you know that the Lord, it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 16, verse 6. Every time the Israelites would see the quail, they will know of God's deliverance and his provision. In the morning, manna would come. This bread would allow the people to see the glory of the Lord, according to verse 7. In fact, in verse 9, Aaron calls the entire Israelite community to come before the Lord. While Aaron was still speaking, the Israelites looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Verse 11, verse 10. What a moment that must have been for the, Israel, for the Israelite people. We don't know exactly what they saw, and we're not told how they reacted. But my guess is that there was silence in the camp. No more grumbling. Maybe a holy hush. When the glory of the Lord is revealed and God shows his power through deliverance and provision, there's not much to say, only worship. At this point, God is the only one who speaks. His words come as a promise. At twilight, you will eat meat, and in the morning, you will be filled with bread. Through God's provision of daily bread and meat, the Israelites would know that their God is the Lord. Just as the Lord had promised, that evening the Israelites found a large number of quail in the camp. And the next morning, as they came out of their tents, the Israelites discovered thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor, according to verse 14. While the quail did not surprise them, this bread was new. They had never seen anything like it before. They didn't even have a name for it. The name manna comes from two Hebrew words, meaning what and that. The Hebrew people saw the thin flakes and said, what that? <laughs> when the manna had arrived, Moses told them exactly what to collect, an omer, according to verse 16. An omer is about three pounds. When the Israelites did as they had been told by the Lord, everyone had what they needed every day. In the verses that follow, we learn that some chose not to obey the Lord's instructions. Some likely thought, I don't know if this manna will come tomorrow, so I will take more than I need for today so that I have it tomorrow. In this case, the excess manna that those people stored became full of maggots and began to smell, verse 19. Others thought this manna comes every day and I will just go out and collect it on the Sabbath like every other day. In that case, there was no manna on the morning of the Sabbath and they were left without food for the day. It's good for us to notice the natural and supernatural that's revealed in this story. God supplied the manna. The Israelites had to go out and collect it. God wants his people to see his presence and activity in the ordinary events of life, like finding and enjoying food. He also desires for us to remain open to the extraordinary that he is willing to do for his people. Will we learn to trust him 
Will we obey his instructions? The Old Testament history of Israel serves as a shadow of what was to come for God's people of faith. One day in Israel's future, indeed in the, in the history of the world, God would send the true bread of heaven to the earth, Jesus. He would multiply fish and bread beside the sea one day, feeding 5,000 men with only two small fish and five loaves of bread. There by the seashore, Jesus would proclaim, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. John chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it and instructed his disciples to eat the bread, his body. In the same way, God desires desired covenant relationship with Israel defined by faith and trust, so too we are called to believe and enter that relationship with the Father through his one and only Son. When the bread of heaven came to Israel, as recorded in Exodus chapter 16, they saw God's glory in the desert. We certainly can say, like the Apostle John, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.